0: This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 46 of the Catholic Foodie, Turkey Time. Oh, welcome. Welcome to episode 46. Uh, and yes, today is Turkey Time. Why? Because. <laughs> because Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and uh, we got a couple of recipes that we're going to talk about today. Just some ideas to get us ready for that, that uh, turkey-ish day of the year thanksgiving Uh, we also have some feedback and we're going to talk about some new segments here on the catholic foodie i got got quite a bit of news for you as well a couple of things going on in my life Uh, we have some food for thought and even the winner of our contest all this and more catholic foodie where food meets faith Hi Jeff, this is Laura in Wisconsin, and you asked for some Thanksgiving ideas. Uh, one thing I'm going to hopefully have for Thanksgiving um, is a sweet potato apple casserole that is just absolutely to die for. Now I'm not a fan of the regular sweet potato casserole, the one that has the mushroom or the marshmallows on top of it. That's not my favorite, but this one has apples and sweet potatoes and probably some brown sugar, but I'm not going to be cooking it because I don't have the recipe. Uh, My sister-in-law makes it, and she is pretty tight with her recipe. She doesn't give them out. So if anybody has that recipe, I'd be really happy if somebody could post it. Uh, That's all. Love your podcast. God bless. Bye. Oh, thank you so much. And, you know, uh, that actually, that sounds delicious. Absolutely delicious sweet potato and apple casserole. Matter of fact, you know, your sister, goodness gracious, huh? she's being stingy with that recipe. Uh, If I had a good recipe, I'd love to share it with everybody else. So maybe she's holding out because she's going to work on her own cookbook or something. What do you think? Uh, But anyway, your your voicemail led me to do a little search online. And I did come across a couple of uh, recipes for sweet potato and apple casserole. And I will share one of those recipes today later on the show. And while we are talking about feedback, I'd also like to share an email I received from from Kate uh, Kate Kate Daniluk. Uh, she was on the show just a few episodes back uh, with uh, making music, praying twice. That's her website. And this is what she had to say. She says, "Jeff, my ten-year-old has a club that she started called Children of Care." in which kids raise money to support orphans of AIDS, war, and poverty served by the Filipini sisters around the world. She has a website in which she hopes to attract more kids to the cause and where each child's contributions will be recorded so that the kids can see how every little bit adds up to help. Anyway, she just made a cooking video for Crispy Chewy M&M Chocolate Chip Cookies which she made for bake sales, in which she raised a little over $200 for the sister's work. We have yet to get the video up on her website, uh, childrenofcare.org. Uh, but once it is up and running, you would be interested, or would you be interested in discussing kids in the kitchen or bake sales or the like? Uh, she would love to do a little interview and try to get more club members. Uh, you know where to reach me if you're interested in pursuing this. Well, Kate, I am. I think that is awesome. I think it's wonderful. Matter of fact, when we get the uh, the video up and uh, we we do a little maybe interview, I would love to have my kids on the show uh, to talk to your daughter. So I think that we could do uh, kind of a kid segment maybe uh, talking about this particular uh, activity, this really this good work that your daughter is is doing. So awesome, awesome stuff. And uh, thank you so much for writing in. Wow, something smells good. Those uh, goodies in there. Granny, Granny Puckett, the goody lady? My goodness, she makes some good goodie she's got a thing it's like a uh, it's like a, uh, cookies shortbread chocolate dicing between very it's good uh, it's very good well I want to share a bit of news things that are going on in our lives my life um, and of course when I ask for feedback I always want to know what's going on in your life you know what's going on in your kitchen What kind of ideas and thoughts do you have? Uh, So I'm going to share a little bit about what's happening in my life right now, Uh, and and it's it's some exciting things. Uh, Matter of fact, this coming Sunday, uh, my wife, Char, and I are going to renew our vows in the Holy Family Institute. Uh, You may or may not have heard of the Holy Family Institute, but I'm going to share a little bit about that particular uh, institute right now with you. Uh, The Holy Family Institute is a uh, part of the Pauline family. You may have heard of the Daughters of St. Paul. They run uh, bookstores all across the world with excellent Catholic literature and also uh, DVDs and music and all kind of things uh, there available. And you may have also heard of the Society of St. Paul. That is the, uh, the branch of priests. That's and brothers that uh, that serve as a, in the Pauline family. Uh, the Pauline family was founded by Blessed James Alberioni, uh, and Blessed James, and it was early. And I'm, I'm terrible with dates, <laughs> but he died, if I'm not mistaken, he died in the '60s. Uh, he was a friend of uh, Pope Paul VI, and Pope Paul VI visited him on his deathbed before before he actually passed. And uh, he, Paul VI had said a number of times, had, had spoken very highly of blessed James Alberioni. But uh, he, he was, you talk about a worker, unbelievable this guy. He had a conviction, a real conviction about what the Lord had called him to. As a matter of fact, he was in the seminary in the uh, the late 1800s, and it was a matter of fact at the turn of the century In 1899, right before the year 1900, as uh, he was in adoration with the seminarians, and he felt like God, uh, that Jesus had had spoken to him, had had talked to him, and also kind of given him a a vision, a a sense of mission as well. So he ended up uh, becoming ordained. He was ordained, and he founded the Society of St. Paul to begin with. And from that he ended up uh, founding 10 different branches of what is known as the Pauline family. And it's Pauline because blessed Alberioni always said that he was not truly the founder of the the of the uh, of this particular religious community, but that Saint Paul, the apostle, was the founder. And you know, Saint uh, blessed James Alberioni considered himself only as an instrument uh, in the in the founding of these communities, so ten different branches of the Pauline family, and I know here in the United States, the Daughters of Saint Paul and the Society of Saint Paul are the two most well known. Uh, but then there's also the Holy Family Institute. And before I talk about that, I should say that the Holy the uh, the Pauline family has been commissioned by the Church, by the Church, officially commissioned. Uh, to promote uh, media, to work in the field of social communications. Uh, as far as I know and as far as I can remember from what I have read, uh, that the, the Pauline family is the only religious community or organization in the church that has been officially commissioned. That, that is their work in the church is to uh, is to promote good Catholic uh Media, right? Working in the field of social communications. Now you have many other religious communities, religious orders that work in social communication. But the Pauline family is actually called to do that by the church, which is pretty pretty awesome. Uh, so the Holy Family Institute. This was the last institute, the last uh, branch of the Pauline family that Blessed Alberioni uh, founded. As a matter of fact, before all of the official uh paperwork and everything else uh was done he passed away uh but the 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 his the society of saint paul picked up where where uh where he left off with the uh the work of trying to get the tenth branch the holy Family institute officially uh, uh what's the word approved by the church and so what happened was uh, it was an, it was listed as an association by the the church. I think it's the congregation for uh, religious or consecrated uh, people, and I can't remember the exact title of that congregation. at the Vatican, but uh, it was approved as an association of the faithful, and they had to formulate their statutes and all of that. And it was sent to Rome, and then eventually, it was formally approved by the church as an institute, and that was in 1993. Now what what is it exactly? well, it's it's kind of hard to explain, and it's hard to explain because it's really a new uh, a new type of community or institute in the church. This is it, you know how it's, it's, a lot of different religious orders may have a like a third order, like for instance, you have Franciscans, they have a third order, the Dominicans have a third order, which now, since Vatican II are called secular uh orders. Uh, like, for instance, the Franciscans are the uh, secular Franciscans, uh, secular Dominicans. They're not, they're not referred to as third orders anymore, but uh, as secular. And why? That's because these are people who commit themselves to live a certain life with a certain rule of life, but they live that out in the world, right? They are secular. They're not considered religious as uh, priests, religious priests and, and brothers and monks and nuns, are referred to as religious. So um, these are people who are secular. Well, the Holy Family Institute was set up as a secular institute, but what makes it unique is that you actually make the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience just like the religious do. So just like a monk or a nun uh, or a brother or a friar would make... Vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, like the Franciscans, the Benedictines, the Dominicans, all these different orders in the church, which, by the way, those things, poverty, chastity, and obedience, are called the evangelical councils because it's how Jesus lived his life in poverty, with chastity, and obedience, and uh, and also how he he preached the gospel um, with this, this sort of theme, this message, like just look at the Beatitudes. And anyway... Uh, the thing is, is that Holy Family Institute members end up making vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and a special promise of fidelity to the, to the Pope, but it's done within the context of their state and life. So, you become – the best way I can explain it, which is a terrible way to explain it because it's not, it's not accurate, it's really more of an analogy, is that they become like vowed religious except – they live their daily lives in their families and with their jobs and in the in the secular world uh but they're consecrated to god just like a religious person is it's a further step after baptism of dedicating your life consecrating your life to god now char and i uh discovered the holy family institute about seven years ago uh and we started a process of formation we contacted the the priest who was the delegate uh, for the institute. He's the one who kind of leads the institute here in the United States, Father Tom Fogarty. And uh, we contacted him and started communicating back and forth via uh, correspondence, letters. And over time, he would send us materials every month, things that we could read, a, a, a tape or CD that we could listen to about the spirituality of the Pauline family. And uh, after, goodness gracious, I don't remember how long it was, a year or so, maybe even longer, two years, um, we love the spirituality of the Pauline family. And, I mean, for me especially, I'm a I'm a geek, right? I'm a techno geek. And <laughs> so the fact that it was dedicated to social communication, it was dedicated to working in the field of media, really, it, it, that that touched me. That was something special for me. So we prayed the prayers of the Pauline family. We uh, uh, learned about the spirituality. And after a couple of years, we ended up entering the novitiate. And according to uh, the the statute and uh, what the church requires, uh, we had to enter a novitiate, which is an intense time of formation. And Char and I did this together, but you don't have to do it together. You can have just a, a husband or a wife or even a widow or widower who can do this on their own uh, with their spouse's approval if for, for a husband or a wife, for instance. Uh, but we went through this together, and it, it was an intense two years of formation. Uh, for the Holy Family Institute, the, uh, the period of, of novitiate is two years. So we went through that, and then we made what's called first profession, where you make vows. It's uh, church-regulated vows, so it's uh, a liturgical celebration uh, we actually, in at, at our parish, our, pa- our parish priest was the one who received our vows in the name of the church and in the name of uh, the the, uh, the delegate director, uh, Father Tom, uh, of the Institute. And uh, we live those vows for a year. You make them for a period of one year. And then uh, after that, you also... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you renew those vows. And I think you renew them for a period of three years. So eventually, you have renewed every year for three or four years, and then you make perpetual vows. Just like religious do, except you're doing this in, in your family and with the job that you have and just in your regular daily life. So all this is really doing is it is elevating your daily life, just the life that you live, to the state of a consecrated individual. There's no real um, burden placed on the member. Uh, As long as you're living a good Catholic life, a good Catholic marriage, you're trying your best to live that kind of a life, uh, then really you're fulfilling most of the requirements of, of living this consecrated life. Uh, the only thing that would be different is really adopting the spirituality of the Holy Family Institute. So anyway, that's sort of a, in, a, in a nutshell, which was a really big nutshell because I know I'm rambling, <laughs> uh, kind of what the Holy Family Institute is about. Uh, it's about media. It's about praying for the media. It's about offering uh, sacrifices, offering yourself for the media, because as you know, there are, there's lots of Uh, negative or bad media out there that promote negative and bad human activities. And so you uh, offer yourself and offer your prayers to purify, uh, to redeem the media. And also for those who are engaged in the production of good media, you offer your prayers and sacrifices for them as well so that they can uh, produce really high-quality media and uh, do so in a way that will touch the hearts of the people who uh, watch or listen to that media. So can you see for me why it's such a big deal, <laughs> this particular spirituality? Because you know, here I am, a, uh, a podcaster, a blogger, a techno geek, and uh, now, uh, through the grace of God, a, an affiliate of the SQPN, uh, the StarQuest production network. And so media is very important to me. And here I am, uh, consecrating my life to God for, uh, for the, the redemption of media. So a really cool thing, and it's also something that is, you know, for the Holy Family Institute, it's all about supporting, up, uplifting, uh, edifying family life, marriage and family life, and trying to bring a real uh, uh, tangible spirituality into the family to help raise the kids in the practice of the faith, to uh, assist the spouses in living out their uh, the sacramental grace of marriage. So lots of really good stuff here in the Family Holy Family Institute. Um, by the way, if anybody is interested in learning more about the Holy Family Institute, I will have some links on the website. But also feel free to email me at catholicfoodie at gmail.com or give me a call at 985-635-4974. So we are very excited about this Saturday. We're going to renew our vows for the second time. And it's going to happen in the context of Mass Saturday morning. So right after the homily, we will approach the altar and the priest, uh, our associate pastor here, will uh, receive in the name of the church our vows. So please keep us in prayer this week as we prepare to renew those vows uh, this coming Saturday. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side, and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of a can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Just a couple of short things here, uh, more news, uh, just real quick before we move on to Food for Thought. Uh, This past week, I was a guest on In Between Sundays, which you can find over at InBetweenSundays.com or also at SQPN.com. Nick and Pat Padley, that is their podcast, and it's it's really directed towards uh, young adults, which, by the grace of God, I'm still considered to be a, a young adult, even though I'm almost 40. Uh, and anyway, they had me on the show because their topic was spiritual hunger And I, I just, I wanted to tell you, I had so much fun <laughs> I had so much fun These two guys, they're brothers, and they are so funny They're just so funny And they have, it's like a party Every time they record an, uh, an episode Which they usually do on Wednesdays, by the way Sometime around 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, Central Time 7, 7.30 Central Time and uh, they just have so much fun. I I watch them on Ustream when I when I'm free when I can do that. And uh, it's like it's just like a party. Anyway, so I was a guest on the show, and it was we just had a ball. We had a ball. I mean, Nick even had a um, a photon pack, a proton pack. I'm forgetting now. It's a proton pack from Ghostbusters on the show, and it lit up and everything. That was his roommates. Uh, Halloween costume. You talk about cool. I kept saying, "Man, I want one of those." That's that is really really neat. Uh, but we had a great discussion about uh, uh, spiritual hunger and things that we can do to to fill the hunger that we have for God and for um, well, for God. You know what? What can we do to fill that hunger? So we had a great discussion about that. Uh, I also. Played the uh, what is the what do they call it the uh, uh, where you do the movie quiz oh chick flick or horror film <laughs> so I, I was uh, able to play that game as well they give you different scenarios of uh, movies they they pick like these um, uh, real obscure movie titles and uh, they give you the the description and the real description but they also give you a uh, a made up description so it either can be a chick flick or a horror film and. <laughs> I got 3 out of the 4 right. Can you believe that? It's amazing. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. If you haven't uh, checked out or you don't know anything about In Between Sundays, I encourage you to go over to inbetweensundays.com and uh, give a listen to Nick and Pat uh, or you can find them at sqpn.com. In the air- In the early days of the internet, there was a pioneering priest by the name of Father Roderick. His goal, to create a network of audio and video programs to fulfill the church's idea of the new evangelization, and SQPN was born. Through his humble beginnings, the network featured such shows as Catholic Insider, Rosary Army, and Saint Cast. Today, SQPN continues as it invites new podcasts around the world. Hey, this is Nick, and I'm Pat, and we're from InBetweenSundays.com, a new podcast for young adults and on sqpn.com. And if you guys have ever wondered what SQPN stands for, it's pretty easy, superbly quick-witted Pat and Nick. So go ahead and check us out at www.InBetweenSundays.com or on sqpn.com. Him. You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sally. Yes, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for a nice MLT, mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich, when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomato is ripe. <coughs> They're so perky. I love that. a little food for thought today uh, thanksgiving is coming up for us here in the united states and uh, it it's it's a good time for me every year why because i'm a teacher and i get the entire week off <laughs> that's right i get all week off and that is such a welcome blessing uh, so i'm looking forward to it we also i mean it's a time you gather with family and friends and for me another thing that is just awesome about this is i get to cook And I get to cook lots and lots, and it's very exciting. So uh, this year, I'm looking forward once again to cooking some of my favorite Thanksgiving dishes. And also, we're going to go over to uh, my in-laws, to Char's parents, on uh, Thanksgiving Day. And we're going to have a Lebanese uh, Thanksgiving. So we're going to have grape leaves and uh, lamb and... All kind of yummy stuff over there, so that'll be a kind of a non-traditional Thanksgiving with the Lebanese uh, food, but we're also going to do we get together with my parents. they tend to they usually come over to, to our house here and uh, char and I cook. and so we will do turkey and all the, the, the usual traditional uh, dishes as well. Uh, now it's important, and here's the food for thought. It's important to remember Thanksgiving comes around only once per year. And uh, it, it's interesting that even in the secular society that we live in and the culture that we live in, uh, there's still a sense in general, even though it's kind of vague, that we need to give thanks to somebody, that we should be thankful. And even if we don't believe in God, there's still a sense that we should be thankful. Now, hopefully, many, many people, if not most people who celebrate Thanksgiving, have at least a vague understanding that uh, God is the one that we should be thankful to or thankful for. He's the one that provides all these blessings, even though, of course, many people have very different ideas of God. And some people may have no religious background at all and just have a a sense that there is a God, but they don't really know what to do about that. Uh, For us as Catholics, uh, it's, it's a wonderful time to give thanks to God. But what we need to remember is that every single day of the year is an appropriate time to give thanks to God. As a matter of fact, the source and summit of our faith, which is the Eucharist, is an act of thanksgiving. The word Eucharist itself comes from the Greek, and it means thanksgiving, giving thanks to God. And so when we go to Mass, we are actually participating in an act that Jesus is doing— in giving thanks and praise to the Father. So Jesus is praising and thanking the Father, and we participate in that in the liturgy, in the Mass. So just food for thought, something to keep in mind as we approach Thanksgiving, that we have the opportunity every day to go to Mass and to, uh, to be thankful and to participate in the thanksgiving of Jesus to the Father. Now, in addition to that, which is a, a really good thing to keep in mind, uh, I also do want to talk about Thanksgiving itself. I mean, Thanksgiving is coming up, and we uh, we're going to be eating turkey, right? Turkey is an important thing. So, way back when in episode one, I talked to you about uh, Emeril Lagasse's pepper stuffed turkey, and I wanted to to just say this again. I wanted to remind you again of this particular recipe because it's my favorite. It is by far my favorite turkey recipe. Uh, you know, I've done baked turkeys and. You know, whenever you buy a turkey, you go to the store and buy a turkey, they're all frozen, Um, and it comes with this, like, little card with all these directions on it. And they're very, very like, strict directions. You got to do it this way, you have to thaw it out this way, leaving it in the fridge and letting it thaw out in the fridge. Uh, It's going to take this many days depending on how many pounds the turkey is. Uh, You need to wash it thoroughly. You got to do – you know, it's just very strict. Why? Because there's a danger with poultry of there being some sort of bacteria or something there that could make you very sick, and you know you're supposed to cook it thoroughly. Uh, you know and they give you once again this chart that says, you know, for each pound, however heavy the, the turkey is, that's how much. This is how much time you should cook it, and without fail, not only personally, not only myself when I'm cooking them, but uh, but many other people when I've I've had turkey at, at their homes. Uh, have the same problem. You want to cook it. You want to make sure it's cooked all the way, and so you tend to overcook it. And overcooked turkey is just dry. It's it, it's just not good. It's just a dry piece of meat, which is not a good thing. Now, everybody, I say everybody. Some some people have their own little um, methods of trying to keep the turkey moist, and you can baste it, you know, repeatedly. Uh, you can. Uh, uh, tint it with tin foil to ca- to keep the moisture inside, uh, so where the turkey is is cooking in the in the pan. Um, so many different things you could do. Now, I don't know how many years ago it was, two, three, four years ago. I don't remember. I came across this recipe for emeralds pepper stuffed turkey, and I tell you what, I made it this, the first time I made it. We were absolutely amazed, absolutely amazed. This was the most tender. And the most juicy turkey we had ever had anywhere. It was phenomenal. Uh, and, and the amazing thing is, is all this juice that comes. that When you take that thing out of the oven after the end of the cook time, uh, not only is it just tender and, and and juicy, but you have like a gravy type or a juice gravy, aju basically, uh, in the pan that – it's almost to the top. It was just so much aju. It's just – I couldn't believe it, especially because when I put that turkey into the pan, the pan was dry, right? The pan was dry. So what happens? How does this transformation take place that makes such a good turkey? Well, uh, it's pepper-stuffed, and what does that mean? What are some of the things that you do? Uh, first of all, you make sure that you do follow the directions as far as uh, thawing out the turkey. Uh, washing it ahead of t- you know washing it before you uh prep it and one of the things that i do is uh after i, I think it's important to do is after washing it you got to pat it dry with something and uh char tends to be kind of picky about what you use to handle poultry and i don't blame her uh but this is one of those times i make an exception what i do is i take a, a dish towel uh, we have a stack of old dish towels that we don't use for dishes anymore they're used for cleaning, really. Uh, What I'll do is, I take that, I pat the bird dry very, very well. Then I take another one and I put it down on the counter. And this is very important because if you've ever fooled around with uh, a turkey or chicken or anything directly on a counter, the stuff slides. It slides all over the place. But if you lay out a towel and put the turkey on the towel, it keeps it from sliding all over when you're working with it. So that's what I do. And uh, you, you, what you wind up doing is is taking some butter. You slice butter and a lot of it. Uh, how many slices do I do? Let me see what Emerald says. You know, I I follow the recipe basically, but I do make adjustments as I as I deem necessary. Uh, matter of fact, last year I used a twenty pound turkey, and his recipe calls for a ten to twelve pound turkey, so I doubled everything. This was a huge bird. 20 pound turkey and uh he calls for two sticks of butter so last year i must have done four and what you do is you slice it into about a quarter inch slice and you take that and you add some salt and uh, cayenne pepper and mix that around but you don't want to uh you don't want the uh, butter to melt matter of fact after you slice it and throw the seasoning in there and kind of toss it around a little bit or shake it so the seasoning spreads, you put it in the freezer and keep that stuff cold. You don't want it to melt. Uh, Then you go ahead and you can chop your onions and bell peppers, um, garlic. And he also calls for something called uh, 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 sport peppers, which these are basically Tabasco peppers. These are the little bitty, extremely hot Tabasco peppers that that uh, the McElhenney Company uses to produce the Tabasco uh, sauce, uh, hot sauce. So anyway, you get these sport peppers, which come in a jar with a vinegar in it, and you need to chop some of those up, along with the bell pepper, the onion, the garlic, and uh, you mix it all together, and what else do you do? You mix it all together uh, with some of the juice... Just some of the juice, like maybe three to five tablespoons. Um, you add cayenne to that as well. And some salt to that as well. And mix that all up and you let it sit for a little bit. And then when it's time, what you do is you go to the turkey and you're making slits in the turkey. Now this is how Emerald says to do it. He says, where does it say it? Uh, Pat dry. You need to lift the skin flap. Okay, lift the skin flap, because at this point in time, you're working with a turkey where the cavity is facing you. Okay, the, the breast side up, so that the turkey is facing up, the head is away from you, the bottom cavity is facing you. And you lift the skin flap of that turkey, and you start to make little slits on either side of the breast. And he says to make two or three slits on either side of the breastbone. And uh, then inside the cavity, with a sharp pointed knife... So you do it uh, – you don't want to pierce the skin, first of all, but you actually make the slits from the inside uh, without, without piercing the skin. Now, that's what he says. Now, let me tell you reality. <laughs> this is nice in a cookbook, but I've made this – I don't make it only at Thanksgiving. I've made this uh, several times over the last few years, and I'm telling you I have never been able to do it the way he says it. What I intend to do is I'll make some slits on the top. I'll make as, as many of the slits as I can on the from the inside of the cavity. It's just it doesn't always work too well. And uh, you do the same thing, by the way, with the thigh along the thigh bone, both thighs, and the leg bone, the drumstick area. You make a slit down that bone as well. Now, you don't want to open it up all the way. You just want a slit to where you can slide the seasonings and the peppers and the butter all, all in those slits. That's it. So you make the slits. And you'll do the same thing with the wings at the top of the bird, uh, but you do this step by step. Once you have that uh, the cavity on the inside uh, 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 done, you got those slits ready. And what I do is I do, I do some on the top as well, uh, just because I feel like I can't get enough on the inside. Then you start to stuff that frozen butter into those slits. You know, and I'll, I'll do I don't know three, maybe three uh, uh, slices or something like that up in there as as best I can. And then you're taking uh, the pepper mixture and you're stuffing that up in those slits as well. So you're going to have a bird that has slits all throughout it with peppers and butter with salt and cayenne all in there, uh, just just stuffed all over. You have it down in the legs as well, the thigh area, the wings, the, the neck, the top of the breast as well. And um, so you've got butter melting on the inside of the bird uh the rest any if i have any remaining pepper mixture or butter i throw it in to the um into the cavity Uh, of course you know you also season the outside of the bird as well with a little cayenne and salt uh, if you wanted to, to you could take some of that the butter slices and stick it under the skin flap on the breast as well i oft I also throw some of the uh uh the pepper mixture there and it's just this whole thing is kind of coated and stuffed with peppers and onions and garlic and uh tabasco peppers and butter and it's just really good stuff and that's it and you stick it into the oven and you cook it for the the recommended time on, uh, on the, um, the, the turkey wrapper, you know, the little chart they give you. The only difference is I usually take it out a little bit before that. And maybe it's because I'm used to my oven, and my oven may be a kind of finicky, but I, I take it out a little bit ahead of time so that uh, I can make sure I don't overcook it. As a matter of fact, when you're cooking a turkey or pretty much anything in an oven, you have to remember that when you take it out, it's still cooking. Right, the heat is still there. It takes time to cool down, so when you pull it out, it is still cooking. Uh, so I take it out a little bit early. I mean, I check it uh, periodically after it's been in there for a while. Let me see what Emerald says as far as how long to take it out. He says, oh, first of all, good point. I didn't uh, bring this up. He kicks up the oven to about 400 for, 10 to, uh, for 15 to 20 minutes or so to, to get the browning process going. And then after that, lowers the temp to 350. And he's saying to, uh, he covers with a lid. I use tinfoil because it, it was such a big turkey. I didn't have a, a turkey roaster big enough to, to fit it in. I used a, a big aluminum temporary roaster along with uh, tin foil to cover it. And he says to bake for three to three and a half hours. And uh, after about, i say after about three hours, I do start checking it. And if, if it looks to me like it is, getting done i will pull it i'm not going to leave it in there the whole time uh definitely use a, a, a thermometer uh, that you can poke into the bird to check the temp to make sure that it has at least reached that temp to where the poultry is cooked and maybe like barely reach it you don't want it going too far over because then you end up uh, drying it out so that's just one uh idea for thanksgiving dinner and what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna come back in just a moment, and I'm gonna share with you a recipe I found for these uh, sweet potato apple casserole. Oh, you gotta taste this! This is oh, it's got this kind of mm, burning, melty. It's not really a smoky taste. It, it, it's a certain oh, it, it's kind of like a you know, it's got like this boom zap kind of taste. Don't you think? What, what would you call that flavor? Lightning? Yeah. It's lightningy. Ugh, oh, we got to do that again. Okay, when the next storm comes, we'll go up on the roof. I know what this needs. Saffron. A little saffron would make this. Saffron. Why do I get the feeling it's, it's in the, the, the kitchen. kitchen? Okay, well we're going to step back in the kitchen just for a moment. And uh, the the, uh, the our feedback today, the call was about sweet potato apple casserole. And I went over to one of my favorite little food uh, websites called Foodista. Foodista.com, and uh, did a search for sweet potato, apple casserole, and guess what? A few of them showed up. So, um, I don't know, as uh, Laura, I believe, I don't know if this is going to sound like the kind that you're, uh, or anything like the recipe that your uh, sister uses, but maybe so. And if it is, why don't you let me know? Just give me another call or email me, and uh, and let me know if this is close. I would be very interested uh, in knowing that, anyway, ingredients do four medium sweet potatoes, four medium apples, uh, half, of, half a cup of sugar, half a cup of water, a quarter cup of lemon juice and a quarter cup of orange juice, butter, and then half a cup of brown sugar, and then some cinnamon. Uh, you gotta wash the potatoes and uh, boil them under until, until they're tender. And then also you need to pare core and slice the apples. Peel the potatoes, cut lengthwise into slices, place a layer of sliced potatoes in a greased 1-quart casserole dish, dot with butter and sprinkle with sugar, uh, brown sugar also, and the cinnamon, and then add a layer of apples. Repeat the layers until all ingredients are used, add the liquids, which is the lemon juice and the orange juice and the water, and then bake at 400 degrees for 45 minutes or until done. A very simple dish is what it sounds like, but it, it does sound yummy. It sounds really good. Matter of fact, I've got a couple of sweet potatoes in my kitchen that, uh, goodness, I might have to put them in the oven this evening. I don't know what else we're going to have for dinner, but I may have to have a little side of sweet potatoes. Uh, anyway, thanks again for that feedback, Lauren. I, I really appreciate that, and I will try this recipe out and see how it comes, how how it turns out this year for Thanksgiving. And uh, please do let me know if this is, if it sounds similar to what you have uh, from your sister at Thanksgiving time. Have a recommendation uh, for you. Actually, I've been thinking about this and 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 trying to uh, set down some very specific segment segments for the show. And one of them would be a like blank of the week, right? Recommendation of the week, like uh, the book of the week, or the chef of the week, or the app of the week, whatever it may be. Because I find things. I mean, every every week I find something that I really like, and I would love to share with you. And uh, so this week, I have no idea what I'm going to call this uh, segment, by the way, but for this week, I want to share with you the book of the week. And this book is written by um, Reverend Joseph Klassen, uh, Meat and Potatoes Catholicism. If you are on Ustream, you can see the title or the the cover of this book, Meat and Potatoes Catholicism. And I would like to just uh, read to you uh, a little excerpt from it. Uh, First of all, uh, the foreword was written by Archbishop Raymond Leo Burke, and his name may be familiar to you. Uh, and this is just a, an excerpt from his uh, foreword. It says, knowing his own experience of confusion about the faith and its practice and seeing how those whom he serves as a priest suffer from a widespread confusion and error regarding the Catholic faith, Father Klassen has prepared the first volume of his Meat and Potatoes Catholicism. The response is a plain-spoken and substantial presentation of the teaching of the church. It is most worthy. It is a most worthy tool of the new evangelization which is so very much needed in our time. Now, one of the reasons that, of course, I'm bringing this up on the Catholic Foodie is because it's called Meat and Potatoes Catholicism. Uh, He has a food-type motif going throughout this book. And uh, this is something that he says in the introduction. He says that we need to get back to the meat and potatoes of our faith. It is the disregarding of the meat and potatoes of our faith that has caused such weakness and atrophy in our church and in our people. We've become spiritually bulimic. We binge on the things in our faith tradition that makes us feel good, like the cuteness of baptisms, first communions, and the grandeur of wedding ceremonies, while we purge ourselves of the true meaning and the serious vital commitment that those things entail. We binge on things like going to Mass on Christmas and Easter, and yet never step foot in church the rest of the year. We binge on things like parish picnics, athletic events, auctions, trivia nights, while we purge ourselves on the true nourishment we need and can get from things like regular Mass attendance, confession, prayer, adult faith opportunities, retreats, etc. Many in our church have eaten dessert first and thrown the main course to the dogs. In a word, we're alarmingly malnourished. As Catholics, we need to go back to the dinner table, pull ourselves up and dig into a hearty helping of spiritual meat and potatoes. We need to nourish ourselves and feed voraciously on the basic fundamentals of our faith and redefine the way we live our lives. It's never too late to restore our spiritual health, to take back what we may have lost, or rightfully claim what we may never have received in the first place. But nobody is going to force feed us. We're big boys and girls now, and we need to take care of ourselves and start eating right. <laughs> anyway, this is this is from the introduction. He goes on, here uh but i'm gonna leave it at that that's uh it's really cool it's all about the basics of the faith basically and he is very straightforward in his responses all very faithful to the tradition of our catholic faith to the church uh and and uh full of scripture full of scripture quotes uh some of the the titles the chapter titles let me Pull those up because they're, they're quite uh, catchy, how he does this, right? Uh, the introduction is called The Malnourished Catholic. Then you have uh, chapter one is I Quit, Show Me a Sign, Come to the Water. Let me turn the page here. Uh, <laughs> how do you like this one? He's talking about the Sacrament of Reconciliation, and he, and he calls it the spiritual garbage man. Uh, fire and fruit is the rite of confirmation. Wedding bells toll. The call talking about vocation, right? Religious vocations, sacramental uh, uh, the sacrament of holy orders, and then, of course, you can also throw in there secular institutes, like the Holy Family Institute, the call, even though it's not an ordination, it is a religious, though secular-type uh, vocation. And then, be healed. That is the disease of, uh, the diseases that we share, that we have, and our desire for healing, and the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. So, really good book. You can, this is published by the way from Our Sunday Visitor, is published by Our Sunday Visitor, and you can get a copy of this over at Catholic Company, the Catholic Company, which is CatholicCompany.com. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This mm-hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat free time today, to the day that you die, why not be good at it? Well, we have come to the end of the show. Uh, if you remember, at the very beginning, I said that I was going to announce the contest winner today. But uh, can you believe it? I actually don't have everything set up here. And uh, I, I, I just, I think what I might do, and I hate to have to do this... What I might do is actually come on Ustream in a, in a, in a day or two, maybe tomorrow, and, uh, and draw a name then. And I will announce that and uh, via Ustream and on the website. And, of course, I will also uh, make mention of it in next episode. I was supposed to do this, believe it or not, last week. <laughs> last week. And I completely forgot about it last week. And here we are this week, and I'm just not ready. I'm, I'm not ready. I've got to uh, – I had a lot of feedback the last couple of episodes. And I, I still – I just – well, it's been a busy week, and I never got around to putting the the names in the hat. So uh, I want to do this right. I want to do it uh, uh, in a fair way. So the only way I can do that at this point is to uh, hold off and – uh, maybe do it on UStream uh, tomorrow at some point. By the way, the reason I'm I'm doing this uh, episode early uh, tomorrow, we have a family gathering at the usual time that I uh, that I UStream this and record the podcast. And then tomorrow night, I am actually teaching a class uh, for uh, 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 PSR, a catechism class, basically. So I just wouldn't have time tomorrow to do that. However, tomorrow night after that class, I probably could come on. Uh, you stream for just a few minutes and uh, and draw that name. So uh, look for that if you uh, hear this before tomorrow night. And if not, wait till next episode. You will find out the winner of a Catholic Foodie t shirt or apron. Now, uh, as we close, I want to remind you that uh, we love feedback over here at the Catholic Foodie. I love feedback, and uh, it's very easy to give feedback. Uh, you can call me at 985-635-4974, and you can tell me just anything that you're thinking about as far as food, faith, family, fun. Just let me know. Uh, do you have suggestions, comments? Uh, uh, that you want to tell us what's going on in your kitchen, for instance? What are you doing for Thanksgiving? We're going to touch on Thanksgiving again next episode, next week, uh, as we get into that Thanksgiving uh, uh, that thanksgiving holidays and uh, maybe a few more recipes as well so let me know what's going on in your kitchen Uh, you can also leave feedback via email at catholicfoodie at gmail.com i want to encourage you to head over to sqpn.com there are lots and lots of podcasts lots of great catholic content over at sqpn.com and, uh, of course, don't forget to go check out In Between Sundays at InBetweenSundays.com or SQPN.com and listen to that last episode, the one that I was on, called Spiritual Hunger. We just had so much fun. I think that you would probably have fun listening to it as well. And uh, I think that's all I have to say for today. Uh, you have a wonderful weekend, and I will talk to you soon.